This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. It's a great blessing. He's here again today. Yeah, I want you to clap to Jesus. Just a couple things. Very real what he was going through, but also you sense the power of God that God can set you free. God can fix you. He's still in the fixing business, but he made a statement on there at the end that really, really blessed me. I made a choice, he said. And so when you make a choice to live for Jesus, Jesus will begin to help you. Well, I welcome all of you. Got a Bible? Go with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4, we are in our fourth week of the blessing. We're just going to keep navigating through this, and so I'm going to give you some clarity today, some biblical clarity. Again, we go to Ephesians 4. After Ephesians 4, we will be in Genesis 1 for a little bit, in Genesis 3, and then a little bit in Genesis 4 this morning. But we start in Ephesians 4. Now, as you're turning there, if you're taking notes, if you remember last week, one of our main scripture was Proverbs 26, verse 2. It says, a curse without a cause cannot alight or cannot come. So in other words, a, a curse must have a cause for it to come upon you. And so what, what would that look like? Well, watch here in these scriptures and look what it says here. Ephesians 4, verse 26. Be angry. Now, it's not giving me an invitation to be angry. Actually, remember the word be means to live. So he's telling us here, don't live angry. Don't live angry. Why? And do not sin. So I believe he's, he's telling us the, the procession of what begins to happen. That man, if, if I live angry and I don't get rid of that anger, ultimately it's going to get me to sin. So right here it says be angry or don't live angry. And so what, what's the be in your life? And what I mean by that, could, could it be addiction? Could, could it be lust? And so he's telling us these things that, that when I give place to anger, ultimately it's going to lead to sin. I don't care who you are. I'm not exempt from these things. Verse number 27. Now this is a good one to mark. Or let me finish 26. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Get rid of it before the day's up. Verse 27. Now listen real close. Nor give place to the devil. Nor give opportunity to the devil. Don't, don't open the door to the devil. I, I really like the passing translation and it says, don't give the devil opportunity to manipulate you. Wow. And so this was a warning here that, that I can literally open the door to things in my life or to the devil and I let him begin, begin to wreak havoc within my life. Now, this, this phrase here, don't give opportunity to the devil. We're going to see that come back into play this morning. And you're going to see the stuff on anger come back to play today too. Go with me to Genesis 1, the very first book of the uh, Old Testament. Genesis chapter 1. Now, as you're turning to Genesis 1... I got to uh, highlight just some things. I got to paraphrase some things here. In Genesis 1, on 10 different times, it says, and God said. 
and God said, and God said, or better stated, and God spoke. And so when God said or God spoke, it was the means of bringing about life and in order. So God created life in Genesis 1, but God also created order. Remember, God is the God who tells the sun when to rise and when to set. He tells the stars when to twinkle or not. Actually, God is the one who told the ocean how far it could transgress. Now, let me ask you something. Do you believe that, that God created it all and he put it all into order? You may not. I do. Why do I believe that? Because my Bible tells me so, that God put everything into order. Everything's in order. And seven different times in Genesis 1, he said, and it was good. And it was good. God didn't say, oh, what I create is a piece of junk. He never said that. You know why? Because he doesn't create junk. It was good. Now, Genesis 1, verse 31. Then God saw everything. He looked over everything that he had made and indeed, it was very good. It was suitable. It was com approved completely. One translation says it was excellent in every way. Until a phrase we use called the fall of man. And when we see the fall of man, the original order of man's environment, this earth, remember... It must be distinguished from what took place with it after the fall of man. I'm giving you a little history lesson, okay? Man, God created, it was good, and it was in order. But why is it still that way? Because the fall of man. So let me highlight just a little bit the fall of man, what that means. If we were to keep reading right on into Genesis 2... We, we know that God set before Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden a tree, which is referenced Genesis 2.9, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And remember, Father God said to Adam and Eve, he said, you can eat from any other tree of the garden, but that one, don't eat from it. Now, oftentimes people will say this, well, why would God put that in there if he didn't want them to eat from it? Well, it was an exercise of will, or like Bobby said, an exercise of my choice. So better yet, God didn't create you and me a robot. God created you and me, according to 1 Thessalonians 5.23, I am spirit, soul, and body. And so he gives me a will. He gives me the ability to choose, and he still does that to this day. And so as we go through there, he said, don't do it. Because if you do it, there's going to be consequences. So the lesson we learned today from Adam and Eve is a, is a lesson of when I choose the wrong thing, there's going to be consequences. And it won't be pleasant. So we know through the Bible that Adam and Eve, they disobeyed God. That's what caused the fall of man. So when we see that, a lot of times we say, well, that's sin. I'm going to give you a really, really good definition of sin. Listen to what this says. Sin, 
when people choose to disobey God's plan for living. That simple. When I willingly choose to disobey, disobey God's plan for living. So we look and we think, okay, Adam and Eve ate an apple. Now, don't, don't quote me on the apple, okay? I don't know what the fruit was. It may have been a mango for all we know. But we know they ate. And so we say, so what was the big deal about them eating that fruit? God had put everything in an order. And when we disobey God, we get out of order or we get out of alignment. So in Adam and Eve's life, not only did they disobey God, the biggest thing is they broke their connection to the source of life. That's what sin does. It breaks our connection. And so here's how God loves the relationship with one with us. One, he wants us to have a relationship with him. The way I have a relationship to him is I ask him to come into my heart, but also the way the relationship stays intact is when I do blow it, I take ownership and I repent. I say, Father God, I, I, I repent of that. Two, God wants to have fellowship with you. God wants conversation with you. And you'll see all this come into play. So right here, what begins to happen is anytime humanity opposes life's orders that God set up, there's always going to be consequences. And, and be very careful not to attribute things that happen on this earth as, well, that's God's will, or that was an act of God. Now, many times we'll hear people say this, and you may have said this in areas like, I've never seen anything like that. I've never seen anything to that level. I've never seen anything to that degree. And a lot of times we're talking about what we call natural catastrophe, whether it's tornadoes, earthquakes, hurricanes, floods, droughts. And many times you'll hear people say, well, that was an act of God. But again, do you believe God put everything in order? I do. So when mankind opposes God's order, everything gets out of alignment, including this earth. And so our answer for this right now, we think, is because we're so smart, is we say it's global warming. No, it's not global warming. It's global sin. So there's consequences when I choose to disobey God in my life. My life gets out of alignment, but even a nation... When the leaders of our land make laws or rules that aren't in God's order, guess what happens? It gets out of alignment. So anytime you see things happen, and remember this, it's a result of mankind, our choices. So we know they broke that covenant. Genesis 3, verse 8. Now look at the result of eating that apple. That piece of fruit. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the, in the cool of the day. I believe he had done this with them all the time. He loves fellowship. And Adam and his wife Eve, they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. This is a first. This is the first time mankind hid themselves from God. Now, one part of it to me is almost humorous to think. What were they thinking to think they could hide from an all-knowing God? 
but we do the same thing. Oftentimes when we do stuff that we know displeases God, what do we do? We try to hide it. We try to kick it under the rug. And you know, God, he wired every one of us with this thing called a conscience. And so within that conscience is when you do something that you know God doesn't like, it convicts you in your heart. Don't, don't stifle that conviction, okay? That's a good thing. You know why God put that in there? It's because God loves fellowship. God loves relationship with you so much that the only thing that gets us out of fellowship and relationship is sin. So the reason God puts that in there in you, he said, come on back, repent and come on back. Come, don't try to hide it. Verse 9. Then the Lord God called to Adam, and he said to him, Where are you? Question mark. Where are you? Well, God knew where he was. And so when God said, Where are you? This wasn't about where are you at physically. Rather, when God said, Where are you? He wasn't asking out of ignorance, but rather as a parent would demand only of a disobedient child. What you been doing? What you been doing? Why would God ask him that? It's because God's love and God's mercy and God's grace was giving him an opportunity to say, tell me what you been doing in your life that's not good. So again, what you see is God's trying to get Adam to say, I blew it. We sang that song today, and in it it talked about the flaws and the failures of our life. Something happens when I willingly confess that to God. So he said, where are you? Verse 10. So Adam said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I, I was afraid. I, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid. So now you see a first again. This was the first time on earth that mankind was afraid. Never before had this happened. So off of that disobedience of eating that fruit, we may say, well, it was just a little thing. But yet it birthed in there something that got out of alignment with God. And he said, I was afraid. And the end of this verse said, and I was naked and I hid myself. Now, here's a huge truth for you on this. I was afraid and I was naked. He had always been naked. Always. Unashamed. But you begin to see the consequences of sin. Everything that began to impact him. That he hid from God. That he was afraid. And now he realizes I'm naked as if something's wrong with me now. So it literally changed his identity. Every bit of this. And I go back to just that one little apple. Verse 11. And God said... Who told you you were naked? Again, God, God understood something had changed. And God knew the only way anything would change if they disobeyed him. 
And so all this, every bit, each, each question mark that you see, God was saying, come on, come on. Come on, confess to me. Come on, repent to me. Reestablish that connection to me. Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you that you should not eat? And so you see the question mark. And so again, God gave him opportunity to repent, which is the prerequisite to reestablish in my relationship. So if you're out of relationship with God, humble yourself. Be a person of repentance. Now look where this ultimately leads to because this is us as human beings right here. Verse 12. Then the man said, the woman you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. What do you see right here? Another human frailty appears for the first time. It's that woman that you gave me. It's that woman, Father God, that you gave me. Human nature is I either do one or two things. I take responsibility for my actions and I confess to God or I start blaming. Now, you're, you're a messed up soul when you start blaming God. So to a degree, you know what Adam was saying? I, I was fine in the garden. Everything was good when I was in the garden by myself. I had the monkeys and the lions and we were good. But isn't it interesting that when God created the woman, Adam himself said, truly, she's bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Where did that evaporate with? It's your fault, God. Let me ask you something right now. Who do you blame? Who do you blame? Again, every one of us have had people that have hurt us. Every one of us have had people that have wronged us. Bobby's mom punted on him when he was two. So if I'm not careful, I, I, I have a crutch or I limp the rest of my life. And so if people are responsible for me blaming others or they're responsible for what I'm going through, then only people are the solution to get me through it. I don't want to look to people. I want to look to God. Verse 13. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you've done? Question mark. Again, you know what he's saying to Eve? Come on, Eve, tell me what you've done. Not to beat you up. And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So you know what she says? It's the devil's fault. It's the devil's fault. So what happens with every one of us is, is we either take responsibility for our actions or we live under the idol of irresponsibility. And I've, if I live under that, I'm going to make excuses the rest of my life. I'm going to blame everybody. It was my first grade teacher that did this. It was my seventh grade coach. You know what? I had crappy parents, and maybe you did. But if you allow that to be your crutch for the rest of your life, I'm going to tell you right now, get ready. But something happens when we look to the God who created us and we do what he asked us to do. 
Verse 17, Genesis 3, verse 17. Then to Adam, God said, because you have heeded the voice of your wife. My number one allegiance is to God, okay? You have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, you shall not eat out of it. I command, you shall not eat out of it. Now listen to this. Watch this. Cursed is the ground for your sake. Better stated, the ground is under a curse because of you. Now if I look at that correctly, you know what he just said? The ground or the environment is changed because of you. And so every time mankind gets into sin, there's an effect on the ground. There's an effect on the environment. And I believe what I said earlier. We've got a problem called global sin. Look what he goes on to tell us here. In toil, in sorrow and pain, you shall eat of it all the days of your life. You know what he's saying? Because you wouldn't willingly confess your sin, this is the result. Now, it would be great if that's where it stopped at, but it didn't stop there. Look in Genesis chapter 4, verse 1. Now, Adam and Eve, now Adam knew Eve, his wife. You know, the marriage covenant, the marriage institution was created by God. Now, Adam knew Eve, his wife. Right there, it tells us. I'm going to give you a brilliant thought here on marriage. You know why God created marriage? So he could kill you. And pastor, it's really working. What do I mean by that statement? Oftentimes we live for the God of me. Me, 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 me. And so God said, you know what? I, I got to help mankind break that selfishness. You are so selfish, all you ever do is look to you. Sue, sue, selfish sue with toys of every kind. You never share, you never share. You say they're all mine. Where'd you get that, Pastor? That was years ago. But it's true. We become selfish. And God says, I don't want you to live selfish. So he created marriage. And then it says, and she conceived and bore Cain. Now here's the greatness of God. If marriage doesn't kill you, then he's going to give you a bunch of children. He said, I'm going to break that selfish law one way or another, okay? Children are a blessing. Okay, I don't mean that ugly. So he said, I've acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now, Abel was a keeper of sheep. He was a rancher, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. He was a farmer. Remember, that was their livelihood in those days. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of ground to the Lord. Abel also brought to the firstborn of his flock and their fat. Now, when I read this right here, there was something within Cain and Abel that they had been taught or been instructed We've got to honor God with some form of an offering. They knew that or they both wouldn't have done that. 
And so you see something that begins to take place. And it says, Abel brought of the firstborn of the flock, and the Lord respected Abel and his offering. The Bible in different translations says, he respected and he regarded Abel's offering. Verse 5, but he did not respect Cain. He did not regard Cain and his offering. Most of the time when you read in there, it, it highlights that Cain didn't give his best. He gave one. But also when it says this, it highlights that his attitude of his heart wasn't right. He, he brought God an offering. Do you know the Bible says that God loves a cheerful giver? It doesn't say he loves a tearful giver. And so this is the way I kind of look. That, that Cain brought his offering, and it's kind of like he said, here it is, Father God. You can have it. Almost like grudgingly. There it is. I'm only doing this because you told me to do it. Back to verse 5. But he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. He was very angry. And it changed his countenance. Back to Ephesians 4, 25, 26. Be angry. Don't live angry. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Don't give the devil opportunity. So it says he's very angry, verse 6. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? And so again, right here, God's beginning to make him answer these questions. Why are you angry? Verse 7. If you do well... If you do what's right, if you do what I ask you to do. Some translations say it this way, and I really like this. Cain, right your wrong. Repent and just do what I've asked you to do. Right your wrong. So he said, if you do well, will you not be accepted? If you do what I've asked you to with the right heart, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do well, if you do not do what I ask you, listen to this. Sin lies at the door. This right here, it personifies sin as a demon crouching at your door like a crazed animal. Sin is just watching. If you right your wrong, if you do what I've asked you, but if you don't, sin is watching you. And so again, he's saying here, don't open the door to sin. Don't give him opportunity. And it's like the Lord is coaching him. C come on, Cain, right your wrong. Come on, Cain, do what I've asked you to do. Keep reading. And it's sin's desire is for you. Sin's desire is to rule over you. Sin's desire is to pounce on you. And he ends verse 7 says, but you should rule over it. You should subdue it. You should master it. You should conquer it. But you know what he's telling him? 
right your wrong. In other words, you got to take responsibility. You're going to have to make the choice. You going to do what I've asked you to do? Are you going to come back and repent? Do you want to reestablish your connection with me? Right, you're wrong. And I love this right here. This was the word of God that says, sin should not rule over you. Thank the Lord. Verse 8. Now Cain talked with his, his brother Abel. And it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother. And he killed him. The first time murder, the first time anything like this shed blood had ever happened in the Bible. So I go back to what he said there in Ephesians 4. You better get a hold of anger. Get a hold of anger. Get a hold of it. Get, get a hold of that sin. Get a hold. What, what's the little apple of your life? Get a hold of it. Get a hold of it. So when I look at this and I begin to think, wow, the procession of anger. And if I don't deal with it, look where it ultimately ends. So better yet in this passage when he says, right, you're wrong. Instead of, of Cain taking responsibility and repenting, going to God, you know what he does? He blames his brother. There's the problem right there. Woo. Verse 10. And the Lord said, what have you done? Question mark. God knew what he did. And you know what? I believe this is the grace of God. You know what God's saying again, here again? Confess, tell me. What have you done? Tell me. What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. You know, the blood has a voice, and the blood says vengeance, 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 or the blood says mercy. And verse 11, he says... What have you done? And the voice of your brother really cries out from the ground. So now, so now, now watch this. You are cursed from the earth. Because he wouldn't take responsibility of his actions. He's walking in a curse. Better yet, an iniquity. If you were here the first week, we talked in Deuteronomy 28. Deuteronomy 28, verses 1 through 14, talks about the blessing. Starting in verse 15 through at least 63, it talks about the curse. When he says this, you are cursed, right here, you are cursed from the earth. This is Deuteronomy 28, verses 15 through 20. You're cursed. I walk in a self-imposed curse because I do, wouldn't do what God says. And so he said, the, the ground is cursed from you, which is opens its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. Listen, listen. Listen how sin not only affects humanity, but affects the environment. When you till the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength to you. Better stated, it will not give its best to you. So no longer, not, not only did sin affect him and his relationship, it affected the ground. And he says this in verse 12. A fugitive and a vagabond, you shall be on the earth. 
Better stated, a, a fugitive, a fraud. You'll always go aimlessly across the earth, a death sentence, a wanderer. And Cain said to the Lord, My punishment or my iniquity is greater than I can bear. So what I begin to look at all this, not only did Adam and Eve's sin affect their lives, their behavior affected their children's life. Their children had the responsibility or choice to, to right their wrong, but they chose not to do this. And so I want to highlight a couple of things here. Remember when Adam and Eve sinned, they just didn't disobey God. They severed their connection with the source of life. I don't know about you, but I love the grace of God. That God says, if you'll confess your sin, if you'll take ownership of your sin, I'm faithful and just to not only forgive you, I'll cleanse you. That's 1 John 1, 9. See, you know right now, you, you know the condition of your heart with God. Are you connected with God or do you need to reconnect with him? Let me ask you another question. What's the apple of your life that keeps you from serving God like he desires? Is there something in there that just keeps you from... And so the reason I tell you that is Quit blaming people. Quit blaming. Take ownership and say, Father God, I've failed. I've, I've got flaws, but I repent of them. I repent of them. See, in my life, a generational iniquity of alcohol was handed down. It's very evident to me when I look and I study it all, and it would be easy for me to walk the rest of my life and say, you know what, I wouldn't have this problem wasn't for my grandfather. But even with Cain, Cain had problems. He had stuff that was handed down sin from his father. But yet the Lord kept, right your wrong, Cain. Right your wrong. Just do what, I please, do, do what I ask you to. Live to please me. And so God's desire for every one of us is he desires to have a relationship. You know, one thing that really, 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 really bothers me is when people say, what do you do? And I say, I'm a pastor. And they say, you're a really religious person. I'm not religious. I don't want anything to do with religion. I was the Pharisees and the sect. I want a relationship. I want a relationship. And we serve a God who's a God of relationship. And so when I have a relationship with him, I'm born again. I connect. And then God loves the fellowship. He loves the fellowship. I mean, if you look at the prodigal son in Luke 15, when the prodigal son came home, God not only forgave him, God partied. God knows how to party. And you know the good thing about God's party? You don't wake up the next day with an alcohol hangover. You wake up with a Holy Ghost hangover. Ooh, it's good. It's good. So relationship leads to Fellowship. And fellowship leads to worship. 
The word worship means to be submitted. The word worship means to surrender. One of the definitions of the word worship means to obey. But one of the greatest ones that's come alive to me, the word worship means to bow. To bow before him. So if I believe with all my heart, he created me. Wouldn't I want to bow and give thanks to the God who created me? Wouldn't I want to bow to Jesus, the one who died for me? Philippians 2.10 says this, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he's Lord. In heaven, on earth, and in hell. So right now, all the people that are in heaven and all the angels that are in heaven, they willingly bow. And all the people on earth, they have a choice. Do I bow to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, or do I not? But the ones that will be in hell, they'll bow. But it wasn't by their choice. So again, I highlight, if he's my creator and he's my Lord and my Savior, he's the only one that can fix me. So I bow today to my creator. I bow today to the king of kings and the Lord. I bow to the one and I say, forgive me and fix me, Father God. Come on the inside, fix me. I'm, I'm, I'm just a bunch of broken pieces. Fix me. So I'm going to ask you right now where you're at. Why don't you just stand up with me? Just bow your head right there where you're at. Have you disconnected from God? Have you disconnected from the Lord and Savior, Jesus? Maybe you've never been connected to him. Maybe you've never had a relationship with him. Maybe you've run, you've run, and you've been in the pig pens of life. Maybe you've done shameful things. Maybe you're, you're hiding from God. Maybe you're like Cain. Anger, anger, anger. God loves you. It's the heart of God. This is the mercy of God. This is the, the, the throne room of grace that God's saying, I, I welcome you to come back because, again, you're never going to truly live unless you're connected to the source of life, which is Father God. We have this thought in America, if, if we spend more on education, if we do, and I'm not against education, but education doesn't hook us to the source of life. Only salvation changes our hearts. So if you're here today and you need to connect or reconnect to Jesus and you feel comfortable coming down here, I, I just welcome you right now. Just get out of your chair and come down here. 
So that's made it, I'm, I'm reconnecting to him or I'm going to connect. And then the second thing today, you may need to come down here and repent. You don't repent for my sake, okay? You may need to come down here and bow before the King of Kings and repent. Here's a good one. I sensed this all morning, Jesus saying, right, you're wrong. Right, you're wrong. Repent. But you know what else he's saying? Allow me to fix you. Allow me to fix you. I'm the one who created you. I can fix you. Allow me to fix you. And so as they sing this, I I welcome you to come to these altars. I, I just welcome you. Get, get involved with this. Um, su- Sunday night, we were, we were talking about bowing before Jesus. And Alice Torres made a comment that really stuck with me. She said, you know, you, you see people, other religions that serve false gods. And she said, they bow to false gods. And the ones of us who know the real God, we know Yahweh, we know the Lord. and so We won't even bow. Every knee will bow. Go ahead and sit. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.